Hi, good day and welcome to About Patterson, a podcast about the past, present, and future of our hometown, Patterson, New Jersey. As all Pattersonians know, Patterson was founded by our first Secretary of the Treasury, Alexander Hamilton, in 1791. Hamilton's vision for Patterson was as America's first planned industrial city, but even Hamilton couldn't have seen what Patterson would become. Patterson led the Industrial Revolution where Sam Colt manufactured his first revolvers, John Ryle manufactured America's first silk, Thomas Rogers built the first American locomotives, and John Holland tested the world's first modern submarine. But Patterson isn't just about the Industrial Revolution, it's about us, the people of Patterson. It's about our parents, our grandparents, and our great-grandparents who came to America and settled in Patterson for a better life. We all know Patterson today isn't the Patterson we grew up in, but something is happening that no one saw coming. After decades of decline, a miracle happened. Two Pattersonians, former Mayor Bill Pascrell in the House of Representatives and Frank Lautenberg in the United States Senate, passed a bill that was signed by President Barack Obama, making our Great Falls District a national park, and in my view, changed Patterson's future for the better. This is a podcast about Patterson, the historic Patterson we learned about, the Patterson we grew up in, and the Patterson that, in my opinion, is emerging from the ashes. So thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for joining me today for the third and final episode of Submarine Boys. The last episode ended with George Dugan's pickaxe striking the hull of the boat, but the boys were facing even more obstacles. The boys needed another pump to drain seeping water from the coffer dam, and they were faced with heavy rains and the loss of the city pump. It also looked like the Passaic County Historical Society was making claim to the boat until an editor of the Patterson Evening News stepped forward and wrote an editorial defending the boys. Finally, the rain stopped, the mayor helped the boys get another pump, and they were able to get back to work. An interesting development occurred when a well-known retired merchant of the city, Mr. James Patton, pledged $1,000 towards the acquisition of the building for, for the boat. Mr. Patton had a special connection with John Holland, and he said this in a, in a newspaper article, I learned the machinist trade at Danforth and Cook Locomotive Works and subsequently in 1870 went into the grocery store business at 33 Market Street then called Congress Street, Patton said. Mr. Holland somehow found out that I came from Ireland and that I was somewhat of a mechanic, and many an hour we spent after school in my store discussing and consulting with me about his submarine invention. His object was to blow up the British fleet to get Ireland free. The matter of where to display the Holland was still being considered when the Patterson Evening News recommended that the mayor form a commission to find a permanent home for the boat. There has been so much discussion around the finding of the submarine with so many proposals as to its final disposition that Mayor McLean's committee is regarded as the only way to put an end to the crossfire of suggestions and numerous agencies pulling in different directions on the relic. The Executive Committee of the Passaic County Historical Society held a meeting at Vice Chancellor Eugene Stevenson's home at 580 Park Avenue. 
Stevenson was an old-time Pattersonian who had studied law under Socrates Tuttle and was a contemporary of Garrett Hobart. Three members of the crew were present, Harry Wollstenholm, Richard Jenkinson, and Fred Bromlin. The purpose of the meeting was to thank the boys for their tireless effort and complete the decision of where to display the submarine. According to the morning call, the famous marine relic is to remain forever in the possession of the city of Patterson. The boys also made it known that various outside interests had been seeking to possess the old submarine. The Smithsonian Institute of Washington, D.C., the Irish American Historical Society, and even Henry Ford of Detroit had exhibited an interest in the purchase of the now-famous craft. Mr. Wollstenholm, speaking for the submarine boys, as they were now popularly called, said the seven members of the enterprising crew of workers had just held a meeting and had passed a resolution that the submarine would be given to the city of Patterson with permission to the Passaic County Historical Society to place the craft on exhibition wherever they so desired in the future, it being understood that the city loaned the submarine to the society for such exhibitions. Wollstenholm explained that there was still a lot of work ahead and that it would probably be a month or more before the submarine would be on terra firma. Later, when their host served refreshments, Stevenson offered a toast to the patriotic young men who had accomplished such a prodigious feat for the historical fame of the city of Patterson. It was also decided by the Historical Society that Lambert Castle would be the place to display the submarine. Once again, work was halted on the boat recovery due to heavy rains. According to Mr. Bauer, the boat was covered with about six feet of water. Even with the rented pump, the boys' single biggest problem was to keep water from accumulating inside the coffer dam. In an interesting turn of events, a retired captain of the Patterson Fire Department, John Weber, returned to Patterson from his three-month vacation to read about the boys' plight. The first thing he did when he, when, when he struck Patterson was to visit the Spruce Street Bridge, where he found the submarine boys hard at work excavating the famous old boat from mud and water. The top of the craft was partly out of the water, and the boys were trying to pump her dry with a common garden-variety hand pump. The captain called the boys from their work and told them that he witnessed the first, second, and final trial swims of the submarine under the guidance of the inventor, John P. Holland. It was a shame, he told the youngsters, that no one was giving them any assistance. I'll see the mayor about this. Weber called at City Hall the following day and had a long talk with Mayor Colin McLean. The result was that the mayor promised the captain that in a day or two he would see that the city bought a gasoline pump to help the boys pump out the old submarine. The captain then got off-duty volunteers from the department to help the boys with the pump. Weber told the boys that the mayor and the fire department are going to help them pump that old craft as dry as a fishbone. Two days later, the boys had their gasoline pump. The evening news reported the boys will go to work with renewed vigor. Previously, the most arduous task was facing the boys was that of keeping the excavation drained. Mayor McLean was placed at the disposal of the boys and a large gasoline pump 
which Harry Wollstenholme, leader of the group, joyfully declared, will drain the excavation in half an hour, an operation which formally required the major portion of the workers' time. I want to see these courageous boys helped in every possible way, the mayor said. They deserve much more credit and assistance than they have thus far received. The matter uppermost in my mind just now, said the mayor, is we are of the city of Patterson, is going to remunerate these patriotic boys for their months of time and energy in bringing this submarine out of the depths. And then, with no thought of personal gain, they intend to present the boat to the city of Patterson as a free gift. Such notable lads should be repaid in one way or another. The mayor suggested placing the Holland One on display in an empty storefront and charge a nominal fee for Pattersonians to view the boat. In this way, the boys could recoup all of their expenses. It was September 1927, brought more heavy rains and flooding, but the new gasoline pump allowed the boys to uncover more obstructions from the boat. On one occasion, we hit an 18-inch tree stump, Wilson Holmes said, and in order to drive through it, we had to construct a sandbag dam next to our shoring in the river. This took up two days of our time. In the meantime, E.A. Brown continued with his purchase of the Fenian Ram. Brown notified the Parks Commission that he made the final purchase of the historic submarine. However, he regretted that he was out of town and unable to appear before the board. The Fenny and Ram arrived on Tuesday, September 13, and Brown thought the best place to put it was on the corner of Westside Park. This is the logical and proper place for it because it adjoins the river at Westside Park, at the opposite spot where John Holland experimented with his submarine, and because of its sentimental affiliations with the experiments of Holland. The president of the Parks Commission, Edward Seary, was away on an extended European vacation. He returned to find the Fenian Ram in Westside Park. After the submarine was in place, Brown made a formal application to the Parks Commission for the Westside Park location. Brown said if he was granted permission, he would proceed at once with plans for a plaza for the submarine to include a plaque of John Holland. It was still undecided where the Holland One would be displayed. The county commissioners thought the Courthouse Rotunda, the Passaic County Historical Society thought maybe Lambert's Castle, some thought City Hall. Finally, after after weeks of debate, Robert Williams, publisher of the Patterson Morning Call, stepped forward. Williams approached the Patterson Public Library Superintendent Stevenson, and together they approached the Patterson Museum curator, James Morton. Williams advised the mayor that the matter had finally been settled. On September 17th, the morning call reported that Curator Morton agreed to rearrange the museum display cases to make room for the proper display of the Holland One at the Summer Street Museum. Williams also said he hopes in time to acquire for the museum one of the early locomotives built in Patterson, besides the right aeroplane motor. These, with the submarine, should compose an exhibit unique in the historical annals of the world. Not everyone is excited with the plans to celebrate the father of the modern submarine. On September 20, September 20, 1927, a letter to the editor appeared in the Patterson Evening News 
from a Mr. William Harris of 46 Praetus Avenue, where he decries the honor and name of the submarine. Mr. Harris went on to say that this city is embarking on an enterprise that may well cause for hesitation. It is difficult to see why we should build a monument and glorify the inventor of the machine, which is, which is the direct means of bringing our nation into the Great War, costing the United States $10 billion and 100,000 lives. Harris suggested the United States should not be proud to be the birthplace of such an instrument of war. On September 24th, we had practically all of the boat uncovered, Wollstenholme said. We're now ready to hoist it out of the pit. I secured a block and, f- and fall from Mr. Ryan, who had been given instructions from the mayor, McLean, to assist us in every possible way. Mr. Sutton of the County Roads Department, who had at numerous times offered me help, at this time lent me another block and fall. With these two blocks, it was a cinch to raise the submarine up. Once the boat was clear of the mud, hanging hanging in this cradle, we knew every bit of our troubles were over. The boys thoroughly examined the boat and found that it was in very good condition and would float. Mr. Bauer, who was a very good boatman, also looked at it and agreed the boat was practical. Wollstenholme said, The few holes in the hull were plugged up, and the Holland one was floated inside the Coffer Dam on September 27th as a test float to see if there were any leaks. The boys noticed even inside the Coffer Dam that the Holland one sat very low in the water. We decided as a safety measure to use two 40-gallon pontoons loaned to us by the J.A. Van Winkle Hardware Company. And Tuesday evening... Patterson Evening News, September 27th, announced elaborate plans for submarine raising. City and county officials attend ceremonies which will end work of months. John P. Holland's baby submarine, the first child of his invented brain, will be raised at public view Saturday amidst maritime ceremonies which will be singularly appropriate for so significant an operation. The Holland submarine embedded in the bank of the Passaic River at the Spruce Street Bridge will be brought to the surface of the river within the next week. You can say for me that I have inspected the boat and found it exactly as the diagrams printed this morning from the originals of the builder, William H. Dunkerley, Wollstenholme said. The article reported that the wings, diving planes, were missing. Wollstenholme stated that the work on extricating the boat from the mud and silt is progressing rapidly and the boat should be on the surface in about a week. E.A. Brown announced that he had erected a set of stairs at the side of the Fenian Ram and it would now be possible for Pattersonians to inspect the boat's interior. The interior of the boat should prove quite interesting to those who wish to inspect it, for the engines are in good shape and there is also a tube through which the torpedoes were shut. Before the Holland One reached the surface, plans were being made for a public display. The public was invited to honor the patriotic and public-spirited submarine boys for their remarkable accomplishment. Captain of Police and friend of the boys, Frank Bott, acted as personal representatives of the boys. On October 1st, the Patterson Evening News reported, Holland's submarine, buried for 47 years, floats across river. 
crowd, bareheadedness flag, raised the top mast. For the first time in 47 years, John P. Holland's first submarine floated today across the Passaic River. Harry Wollstenholme, head of the searching party that raised the craft, formally presented the submarine to the city this afternoon at 3 o'clock, when appropriate ceremonies were held at Bowers Boathouse. The boat was to be received by recorder John P. Evans, acting in the absence of Mayor Colin M. McLean. James Wilson, president of the Chamber of Commerce, was the master of ceremonies. On Saturday, October 1st, the day's festivities began at 10 a.m., Shortly before 10 o'clock, Harry Wollstenholme, Tice Van Dyke, George Dugan, Joe Lister, Frank Baumelin, and Richard Jenkinson assembled at the Coffer Dam to inspect the boat for last-minute leaks. And here's an author's note. For some unknown reason, Edward and Julian Zelwyn were not present at the ceremony. They had participated in this thing from the beginning, and at the very, very end, Edward and Julian just were not present. The newspapers didn't record their presence and added Joseph Lister's name to the submarine boys. The Zelwyn brothers were also left out of the proclamation Wollstenholme presented to the city. A large water pump was, was set up in the coffer dam, and about 20 minutes, the Holland One slowly rose to the top. Then, using chain pulleys, the boys raised the boat completely out of the water. Using crowbars and sledgehammers, the boys, under the direction of Harry Wollstenholme, dismantled the front of the coffer dam, allowing the river water to fill the dam. The submarine was then lowered into the water where she floated for the first time in river water in nearly 50 years. It seemed the whole world showed up to record this historic event. Motion picture cameras were filming and news photographers were photographing as the boys slowly moved the 2.2-ton craft out of the river where she was attached to a rowboat powered by a kicker motor. The newspapers reported more than a thousand men, women, and children congregated on the river side cheers, cheered themselves hoarse as the undersea craft thrust its solid iron nose into the waters. Flanked on either side by canoes decorated with American flags of red, white, and blue bunting, conveying, and the six boys, the submarine, was towed across the river to Theodore Bowers' boathouse where it was tied to the dock. A flag was placed on the stern of the ship and surrounded by the boys. Mrs. Anna Mae Wollstenholme, mother of Harry Wollstenholme, raised the flag to the top of the mast as the boys on deck and the banks of the river stood bareheaded. The crowd gasped when Tice Van Dyke stepped onto the Holland One to fasten a substitute turret to the top of the boat. For several hours, Pattersonians were allowed to inspect the craft from the dock at Bowers Boathouse. By 3 p.m., there were an estimated 30,000 spectators lining the banks of the river to witness the water parade up the Passaic River where the first invented model made by John P. Holland was the outstanding feature. The temporary platform built next to Bowers' boathouse was occupied by the Hawthorne Fireman's Band and a speaker's dais. Joseph Holland, a Newark lawyer and the only son of the inventor, was an interested spectator to the civic demonstration. James Wilson, acting as master of ceremonies for the absent Mayor McLean, spoke first. 
Another occasion has arrived that challenges the attention of every good citizen, Mr. Wilson said. This occasion of which I speak is to pay honor to a Patterson inventor and to the young men whose courage and ability have restored his invention to the public. Within a stone's throw of this very spot was manufactured the first locomotive of a concern that was later responsible for linking this great United States. Only recently a Patterson-built engine conquered the air and brought nations formerly separated by a broad expanse of water to a more friendly and closer relation. Today we see the first vessel from which undersea navigation in its present-day development was evolved. Harry Wollstenholme spoke briefly, In behalf of my companions, it gives me great pleasure to turn over this submarine to the city of Patterson. Wollstenholme handed Mr. Wilson a scroll containing the following conveyance of the submarine. We the underside, undersigned hereby present to the city of Patterson the first Holland submarine. With the understanding that is to, it is to be preserved indoors and placed on free exhibition to the public. The scroll was signed by six of the submarine boys, Harry Wollstenholme, Fred Bromlin, Richard Jenkinson, George Dugan, Tice Van Dyke, and Joseph Lister. Recorder John F. Evans, representing Mayor McLean, officially accepted the submarine on behalf of the city of Patterson. The boys walked to the dock and undraped the submarine as the band played the Star-Spangled Banner. Cheers went up from the crowd while the boat was tied to a motorboat and the river parade started. The Holland One was towed from Bowers' boathouse to the spot where she was recovered at the Spruce Street Bridge, accompanied by a flotilla of canoes and boats. There a group turned around and traveled upriver to the Lincoln Avenue Bridge and returned to Bowers' boathouse. Collections meant to reimburse the boys for their expenses were falling short. The Patterson Evening News printed an editorial stating that the public has fallen far short and called once again for the public to donate. After the festivities, Captain Frank Bott passed the hat to the firemen and policemen present and raised $150.73. That night, the boys were treated to dinner at the Lido Venice Club and Restaurant on the Little Island beneath the Lincoln Avenue Bridge. The Lido, as it was called, was a fine dining Italian restaurant at the time. A few days later, Mayor McLean held a meeting at City Hall with Secretary John F. Fitzgerald of the Chamber of Commerce, Library Commissioner Robert Williams, Harry B. Haynes, William B. Bryant, and Harry Wollstenholme, named by Mayor McLean to decide upon the permanent resting place of the submarine. Wollstenholme explained that it was the wish of the submarine boys that the boat be permanently housed indoors. Although the boat had not deteriorated in the nearly 50 years underwater in mud, they felt that it would deteriorate if left outside. Mr. Wilson announced that the boat would be on display in the rotunda at City Hall for 90 days. This would give Mr. Morton time to rearrange displays to make room for the Holland One. On October 4th, the Holland One was delivered to City Hall. Mayor McLean and many others watched as the city workmen moved the boat into the rotunda. A placard bearing the following inscription was placed on the submarine. It said, Original Holland Submarine, built in Patterson 1877-1878, launched in the Passaic River July 1878. 
recovered October 1st, 1927, by Harry Wollstenholme, John Lister, Fred Bromlin, Richard Jenkinson, George Dugan, and Tice Van Dyke. A few months later, the Holland One was moved to the Little Patterson Museum on Summer Street. Harry Wollstenholme lived to the ripe old age of 87. Over the years, he was called on to assist with the search for the turret of the Holland One and often commented on various anniversaries of the recovery of the Holland submarine. In the late 1970s, when the new museum was established, the Holland One was moved to the new museum on Market Street, where she's on display today alongside the Fenny and Ram. Thanks again for joining me today for the story of the submarine boys. Have a great week.